0: Hey friends, it's Kara Kay, and this is the Asking for a Friend podcast, a weekly show for the woman who has questions about herself, the church, and the world. We are all asking hard questions that affect us as women in the culture that surrounds us, and we are looking for a safe space to ask them. But don't worry, I know you're only asking for a friend. Hey, hey friends, welcome to another episode of Asking for a Friend. So excited you're here with me this week. I have invited my friend Knox McCoy to join me and discuss the topic, What if I doubt God? Now, Knox is doing some really awesome work, and he just released a brand new book called All Things Reconsidered, which we'll chat about a little bit, and I highly recommend his book. His writing is so amazing, so fun, so deep, so go and get his book. Um, If you haven't heard of Knox, you have probably been living under a rock somewhere. Knox is half of the duo uh, over at the podcast, and he also does a podcast called The Bible Binge. Now, I am all about creating creatively reaching people for jesus and i think this is exactly what Knox and jamie do each and every week they are bringing fun they are bringing deep thought uh, into our lives into our ears each and every week and i love that about them all right so without further ado here we go let's get into this great conversation with Knox. Let's just jump right into this. It's funny, before the show, we were just chatting about how light and breezy my topics are, and today's yeah. probably one of the heaviest that <laughs> I've had in a while. So we're going to talk today about doubts and questioning God and what happens if we doubt God and we have, you know, questions in our faith. So would you just start us off by sharing a bit of your story?
1: Yeah, you know, I think in in relation to doubts, it's, it's always been like a component of my life, and I didn't really understand that and I wasn't aware of that until probably I wrote my first book The Wondering Years Mm -hmm. where the whole I I knew I always wanted to write a book like that um, celebrated like how you can find God anywhere like in pop culture but once I got into it I was like oh wait like I think I was doing this because I'd, I'd and it, it didn't dawn on me that I doubted God. It just dawned on me that I doubted, like, the the mechanism, like, the infrastructure right. of church and, like, reconciling Absolutely. those things. So, yeah. you know, I grew up in the, the evangelical South, um, in the city, like, literally the Church of God headquarters, yeah. uh, but I grew up a Baptist. Um, you know, a very cliche. Think about, like, your cookie-cutter, central casting, Southern Baptist, white dude life, and that was me, you know, yeah. sports, God, SEC football, stuff like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't until I was uh, a parent, it was kind of early to mid thirties where Mm -hmm. I started to think like, so, okay, now what do I actually believe about stuff? You know? And I think that's a lot of people. I don't think that's a foreign thing, but I think that was the first time where I I came into it. And I guess at that point, your kids just kind of break you in a lot of ways emotionally. (laughs) So then you're kind of like, I don't know. I can doubt like, it's okay. It's, it's <laughs> I've good. survived being a parent. I guess it's okay. I can survive I can a little do doubt.
0: Anything. <laughs> that's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I just, um, I think the wondering years really helped me, um, start that process and then this second book that's coming out in June, uh, all things reconsidered, it was really like, I think I dipped my toe in with the wondering years of what if, okay, like, is it okay if I doubt? And then this yeah. book is like, let's do a cannonball and kind of see what happens with the splash.
0: Was that a hard transition, writing that? I, f- I find it hard for me, because I'm a writer too, I find it hard sometimes to be really vulnerable, especially about faith things, because I think people look to you as, oh, well, you have it all together, and so to be vulnerable about that it can be really hard. How was that for you?
1: Yeah, you know, it, it's, and I think it's probably a difference of, I, you know, you, you seem like someone who's very confident in, what you believe and like how you've arrived there. So I can, yeah. I can get that vulnerability, uh, from you, especially because your whole thing is like, I, I do know what I'm talking about. So to be vulnerable, that's, <laughs> that's difficult. You know, I think yeah. the, the easiness for me was I've, ne- I think I've always been intimidated by people who uh, belief wise seem to have it all together, you know, right, and right. I grew up in church around a lot of those people. And, and for a long time, that was a big hesitancy of, I don't really want to embrace um, God stuff for God conversation because I, I didn't go to seminary yeah. and I and I might get a fact wrong and someone might right. dunk on me and be like, oh, you're probably going to hell. And I was yeah. like, I don't know, maybe I will go to hell. Maybe you know? I
0: am. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, like, but so in that respect, the vulnerability aspect, it was kind of like, well, I don't really know anything anyway, so yeah. I might as well be vulnerable. I might and as I, well be. Yeah, that's yeah, interesting. It, I, I remember reading a lot of Rachel Held Evans um, oh, maybe yeah. a, a year or two before and she was someone who I just thought like, you kind of have all this figured out, you know, like she seemed yeah. very, um, I don't know, confident with what she was talking about. And, and someone like Sarah Bessie, like these people mm-hmm. who are so confident in what they believe and know exactly what they believe and why, but they were showing vulnerability. And I remember, I think it was yes. in Rachel Held Evans, uh, maybe her most recent book, she said something about like how we truly like find community. I'm gonna mangle this, like completely. Mangle uh, this that's butcher. okay. But it was like, we find, we find commonality in community when we're vulnerable with each other. Yeah. And I thought, if I'm going to write a book about doubt, like, I can't not be, you know, like you have to be super vulnerable. at that. So th- it was kind of liberating yeah. and freeing to do that and just kind of let it all hang out and be like, I don't really know what I'm doing here, but maybe this will help you, you know, and yeah. realize you don't know what you're doing and that's okay.
0: Yeah. And I think that it makes us, you know, people can connect with us deeper when we are vulnerable. Cause when we even if we act like we have it all together, which I did for a really long time. Hmm. That was, I was, my story is so similar to yours. Grew up, you know, Southern Baptist and I, and I'm an Enneagram one. So it's hard for Mm -hmm. me anyways, because I'm a perfectionist and I want to, I want to have everything together, but I also want to everything to appear like it's together and that I know everything. And so that's hard for me. And being able to be vulnerable has really opened up my platform and, you know, just, People being able to relate with me more, so I think that's so important for us to just say, "Hey, I don't have it all figured out, but here's my journey, and I think we can do this together," kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and I think I I really I, I resonate with you in that respect because I think both of us, because yeah. uh, I'm an senior five, I think uh, we come in it differently. But mine is like I don't want to look dumb, you know. I want yes. I don't want to look incompetent, so I want to yeah. I want to look like I have it all together. And I think social media has been really bad in that respect, you know, because yeah. you can editorialize how you look and how you seem. But, it, but and even even still, like, I, I do feel like, and I think I write about this at the very beginning of All Things Reconsidered, I think now there's like an, there's an overdose on like vulnerability pornography. That's not, yes. it's not really vulnerability, but it's like, I'm going to create this idea that I am, but I'm not actually really gonna give you anything. Right. I'm gonna give you the notion of vulnerability, you know? Yeah, and I think that's, that's, a, so that's a bit of a, like an intellectual epidemic we have to overcome as well.
0: Yeah, it's crazy to see people like, sometimes I'm like, okay, you need to take a step back. You are oversharing and <laughs> it is just too much. So I think there's there's safe spaces for that that yes. I think it's important to find those. So a couple years ago, I went through my own season of doubt it was really hard so i'm a pastor's wife uh you know an author a speaker i i talk to women's groups about faith and about you know thriving and motherhood and all these things that i talk about And it's like i found myself going god are you even there are you real mm. like i've believed this thing my whole life because that was how i was raised that was what i was supposed to believe and so it was in that season that i really started digging into scripture and to, you know, reading different people. Like you said, like, I think it was, um, Rachel Held Evans. I think it was searching for Sunday. That was very yeah, eye-opening that's the one. me. Of, yeah. Hey, it's okay to ask these questions and walk through these hard things of faith. And, and I don't know if she said this in the, in her book or where this came from. Maybe it was something that I came up with cause I'm so brilliant, but <laughs> <laughs> it was, um, that I just couldn't shake the story of Jesus. And that was what always had me coming back to the faith was that I just couldn't shake that story. It was so real. It was so raw. And it was like, there's so much about church and faith in the way that our world sees it now that I just don't like, that I get really um, overwhelmed with and it's just painful. But it's that story of Jesus. Like, I want to be like that guy. You know, I want to continue to chase after that. So in your journey of, you know, reconsidering things, what was it that really kept you coming back to the faith?
1: I, I love that you asked that because I, um, you know, so so in the in All Things Reconsidered, I, I divide it into three sections, right? One is like reconsider yourself. Second is reconsider your life. And the third is like reconsider your faith, right? And okay. so it's heavy on the faith elements. And when I was, I knew I, I wanted to do it and, and divvy it up like that. And when I was writing in the third section, it was just it felt like heavy because it was all these it was like heaven, hell, all these things. And it, it yeah. and it was these important topics to me because it's like I it, even if I wasn't writing this book, like I, I need to know what I think about this. And right, you know, right. sometimes it was, okay, I'm I'm changing what I think. And sometimes it was no, yeah. I, I'm I'm exactly believing what I did before. And sometimes it was I don't know. But in the middle of writing that last section, I at a certain point I was like, man, like I, I need something there's just too much like questioning right now you know even for me so i i i did a chapter of like what keeps me you know like what keeps me Mm -hmm. here Because i think that's important to like find your constant find your what is your through line what keeps you here because i think uh, the reason a lot of people don't want to doubt and ask questions is they think you pull one thread the whole thing comes crashing down everything comes yeah and i totally get that i I do think though when you really like uh, prosecute that idea um, if that's true, what did you really have in the first place? You know, for right. a little, one, one little, like gentle tug on a thread, like can bring the whole thing down. But I think it's important to identify like, what is the foundational thing for you? And not even in like a cliche, like it's Jesus. Well, I get that. But like, what about Jesus? Like, I like what you, you were just saying about it for me, what, what it came back to is, you know, um, there's this, well, it, I remember I'll chase her out for a second. I remember, I think I was, I don't know uh, ninth grade. I think I was ninth grade. I just got an AOL account. You know, I was instant messaging stuff like that, uh, the whole deal. And I remember, um, I was particularly, um, to, to borrow a cliche from Christianese, I was on fire for God. (laughs) So I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I think I'm going to go into, uh, an atheist chat room and just like start dunking on people and like, just start converting people. (laughs) (laughs) So I go in there and I, I just start like trying to debate these people as this dumb, basically child And I remember I got in this conversation with this guy and he, his response was a lot of like factual stuff for him. And I realized I had brought like a bunch of feelings to like a anecdote existential fight, you know? Uh And I remember like sitting back and being like, whoa, I I was not ready for that kind of response. So I thought like, I think that was a really formative event for me to go back and be like, you can't just like say, because of God, or because Jesus, or because of the Bible, because that doesn't, that's not, it's not that that's not enough, it is, but it's like, when you're trying to deconstruct or reconstruct your faith, Mm -hmm. there needs to be something beyond that, you know, you need to push through that. So for me, one of the things that really keeps me even now is the idea that you've got in the old testament and and we talk a lot about this on our podcast the bible binge you've got the this like presaging of jesus you know and it's written thousands and thousands of years before jesus came along and that the foreshadowing there the foreshadowing and then the payoff later in the new testament of jesus that that goes beyond like text manipulation that goes beyond um whatever if you want to charge certain aspects of the bible as fictional or non-fictional or metaphorical or not to me that's the stuff that keeps me because it feels Mm -hmm. like this overarching truth and this idea that jesus is a real person and there's there's someone up there you know Mm -hmm. um facilitating these events and that's that's what holds me so but i think it's really important for people to identify that because otherwise i think you have a hazy notion of what keeps you but when you really push through to that you don't really know what it is
0: I I think a lot of times we we want the church to be the thing that keeps us Mm. and that's not always the case because there's hurt and there's things like that that come with the church and I say that as a pastor's wife, you know, I have been hurt so many times by the church, by the people and things like that and we, a lot of times Christians are putting their foundation in that, in that system and in those people and that's where we find ourselves really doubting God in the long run because it's, we're saying, well, if God's people are hurting me, is God really good? Yeah. And and I think that's a dangerous place for us to get.
1: Yeah, it's like if the if the church, you know, lowercase like c, the, the right. lowercase c church, it's full of people who are also broken, you know? So yeah. there's a lot of good, there's there's so much good community um, and commonality you can find there. But it com- right. I, re- I remember my dad, he served on, I think a personnel committee at a church, and he I think he did it for like one, I don't know if it was a year or two years, but they asked him to come back, and he was like, "No, I don't. I don't. I don't think I can. I don't like like seeing how the church sausage gets made. You know? Yeah. He's like, I, I, there are better people. I'm not. I'm not equipped to do that because it, it is an organization. It's full of individuals, mm-hmm. of all this other stuff that is not you know God related. And I think it's really difficult for people to, um, I don't know, disseminate you know the God stuff, the fa- the 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 emotional, the faithful stuff, with the these are people who are yeah. selfish and they have their own agendas sometimes. And that's not that's not beating up on the church. That's every organization you're ever gonna run into. You know, so it's a yeah. it's a tricky place. Can I let can I ask yeah. you a question? You said something really interesting yeah. I wanted to go back to. You talked about having this like a season of doubt, uh, mm-hmm. you know, being a church. So obviously you're in a really tricky uh, position because I'm going right. to, I'm going to, where I work doubt is like, we can commoditize doubt, you know, it's content, you know, <laughs> so like, it's okay, yep, yep. but for you, that's not, you don't have that pathway. Not
0: so great. Yeah. So
1: did you look at that season as this is, uh, did you look at it as like, I'm having real doubts or was it like a season of deconstruction or, or like, do you see those things as different?
0: Um, they were a little bit different for a while. When it first hit me, it was, it started as doubt of, okay, everything I have always believed is, I'm not sure about it anymore. Mm. And, and it was kind of this place of doubt as I was, a lot of it really started with when we adopted our son, Kendrick, Mm. because my husband and I started doing a lot of research. You know, we, we wanted to raise this little black boy. Well, we wanted to learn about his culture and our eyes, you know, it's like when your eyes are open, you can't close them again kind of yeah. thing. And we got out of our little, you know, middle-class white bubble. And <laughs> my husband always says when the bubble breaks, there's no going back. And so <laughs> that bubble burst like hardcore for both of us. And for me, it was like really a lot of things about my faith because when you grow up in in the church that's pretty white and pretty – a racist in a lot of ways. When you look mm. at some of those things, it's like, it's painful to see that. And, you know, I realized, oh my gosh, all these things that I had surrounded myself with for 35 years or so are kind of crashing down. And, and so that was really challenging for me. And I got really angry at God. Like, why didn't you show me these things earlier? Why have I wasted so much time? Mm. And, and so that was when I kind of started saying, God, do you see me? Like, you've allowed all this hurt from the church for one thing for me to walk through all of this because we had gone through seasons where my husband had been fired from the church for no reason. And, Mm. you know, and just he was hurt. Like he had, he's had pastors that have really been awful to him. For me, it was like, why would God allow those things to happen within Mm -hmm. his church? The place that his people that he loves. And so for me, that was like really doubting if God was what I thought he was. And then it really led me to a place of deconstruction and reconstruction, which I'm so grateful that it went to that. Cause in that season of deconstruction, anybody that's been there, they know like when you're deep in that, it's like, am I going to find my way out of this? It, you know, is this, is there a silver lining in this at all? <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, I wasn't really sure in that season and you know, it was about a year or so that it was hard for me. It was hard for me to even open my Bible. I read all, every one of the Harry Potter books in 13 days because I, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's funny because I had heard you talk about it so much on the podcast and I was like, oh my gosh, I got to read these books. And so I was like, <laughs> well, I'm not going to read my Bible right now. So I need to read something else. And so it was like, all I did was read Harry Potter and be mad at God. And it was, hilarious. That's uh,
1: incredible. What a testament to Harry Potter. Oh yeah. Let me, thank, let me ask you, did you, you Harry Potter. <laughs> was there any like a ministry in Harry Potter that like unconventionally like you, you took from? Oh,
0: for sure. Because I mean, isn't like the whole, like their whole system sort of like the church. And I was like, man, this is how the church needs to function. They have these, <laughs> these enemies attacking them and they're banding together. I'm like, this is how the church needs to function. Like <laughs> so good. So Yeah. I mean, but I found my way back and I still, I still have trouble with, you know, with the church and with things and with just the whole concept of, you know, everything that goes on with people. But I've had to come to that place that I, I love the people for their differences. And, you know, and it's hard, especially in like heavy seasons of like politically charged things and things like that, that it's like, it's hard to love the people that are sitting next to you in a church building when you don't agree with them. And when you, you know, when you have those disagreements and those issues, that can be really hard and that can be a challenge on your faith because you're thinking, well, God, why can't you just show them to think exactly like me? You know, yeah. and you want everybody to be on the same page and that's not how God made us. So Yeah,
1: yeah. And, I, th- I you know, I think it, it's almost like even more uh, – because my side of it is i i feel like i'm tending to i don't know um doubt or not even doubt i don't know what the word is i'm i'm tending to be right. very pessimistic about the church it, yes. to a point where i'm i'm consciously aware this is unfair you're yeah. you're making it this always into what the, the church's fault and you're kind of taking this away from the individual because yeah. i i think there are I, i'm really frustrated with you know the lower C churches who yeah. have refused these conversations about you know sexuality about racial yeah. nuance about about gender and i and i think i get really frustrated when i see the church refusing to engage in these conversations right. and instead kind of opting for politics and yeah. but it, but that's not every single church and i have to keep telling myself that there are some people doing incredible work there are ministers <laughs> right, doing right. wonderful work but i tend to not see that and it i feel really bad for, for people in the ministry, that's never been a thing I've felt called to. I think yeah. early on, you know, when I was in high school, part of the deal, when you go to, when you're active in church and you go to, uh, you live in the South, if you're a guy, you have to uh, toy with the idea of becoming a youth pastor, it's just part of oh, the deal. Oh, for sure. You just I'm, have to.
0: I'm surprised you did not, or did you? Did you <laughs> no. toy with that? Okay, no, see, I didn't. you just totally seem like this youth pastor guy to me, and so it's so <laughs> funny. <laughs>
1: see my brother-in-law is and he's incredible at it but i think early like my junior my sophomore junior year i knew like i'm not that's not me i'm just not i'm not i'm not skilled in that way and i think i was fortunate because i can remotely and objectively look at stuff like that yeah but um i i've always felt uh i don't know i've had a heart for those people because i feel like you know especially like people like you guys it's almost like you have to fly so close to the sun of the complications of ministry, and also, you know, uh, being God to people, you know, being like, representing God to people, like in in their spiritual lives, it it almost makes me feel like we should have furlough and like um, time off, (laughs) time away, because I feel like the burnout rate is so severe because it feels like now more than ever, having to toe the line between like the world and culture and um, politics and church and everything It just feels like so fatiguing right now
0: Mm -hmm. it really does so here's a question for you so we know that the church has has the truth has hope so what do we do with all of this like the division that we see the hypocrites that we see how do we approach that? How would you encourage someone that is like maybe they're feeling really they're doubting God and doubting the church? How would you encourage them to approach the church and and find that hope even in the midst of all the division?
1: You know, I think uh, it, it reminds me a little bit of what, you know, so're we're, we're all in proximity to the coronavirus, right? Right? And I think we're seeing different kind of governmental responses some people yeah. are being very proactive some are not and i think if we apply that idea to the church where you know some are being really great some are not i feel like mm-hmm. there's a there there can be broadly speaking there could be a void of yeah. church of ministry and i think to that i would say the encouragement i would give is like instead of looking at this and i'm, I'm speaking to myself honestly a lot instead of looking at this as like a Uh, a corporate liability in churches, I think we can look at it as an an opportunity from ourselves to be like, well, I can be church for myself. I can be church to people. And where Mm -hmm. I go to work, I can be uh, a refuge. I can be a place of inspiration. I could be a place of community. And it doesn't have to have a physical place right now. It doesn't have to have a pastor and a minister of education or whatever. I can fill in that gap for people. And I I know this isn't like long-term, and I, I won't be able to do this forever, but... I can be a place where people see God reflected. And I think maybe in some of the uh, places that are lacking, um, that's that's an opportunity for us to like fill that void.
0: I feel like there's been a lot of people recently, you know, well-known people that came up in the faith, authors, things like that, who have stepped away from their faith. I think about like Joshua Harris. Did you grow up in the whole like true love waits culture? Was that big in your church? Oh, you my know gosh. I did.
1: I never kissed dating goodbye though. I was like, yeah, I get it, but I'm not I'm not into oh, yeah. that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I'm not going at that extreme. But I think about there's a lot of people that are, you know, saying, This is too much. I gotta step away from this. The church is too much. The church is falling apart. Have there been has there been anyone like that maybe in your life personally, or somebody that you look to that has stepped away from their faith? And did that cause some doubt in you or help, like was it you know, a struggle for you to watch that?
1: There's never really been anyone in my life who has, uh, stepped away. I've, I I think if anything, it's actually the opposite. Like I've been surrounded by a lot of people, my parents, you know, my, my sister, um, Ashley, her sister, her parents, um, you know, I was never really close to my grandparents, but those like core people, like in my life and friends, um, it's, it's kind of been more intimidating because they've been very resolute and very sturdy and, and seemingly they never had questions, and I realize now, right. like everyone's kind of got questions and issues they got to work through. But yeah. I think the um, the projection to me, not not in like a pejorative sense, it was just like they're living their lives. The thing was like the thing with me was, I'm the one with the problem. I've got an issue here. You know, I think that was kind right. of intimidating in a way because growing up in church and seeing these people and being surrounded with people, no one had a problem, and I'm the one with the problem. And it was like, okay. I think I'm the common denominator here. Yeah, I've, I've got to fix myself, you know. But I think, um, I think that's probably a good thing because if I'd been surrounded by people who had kind of drifted away, or I, I mm-hmm. think I would have, I, I would have trended towards that and not yeah. really pushed through as to why. I think I would have just opted yeah. for that because it felt like an easier option, you know. So I think that was a really graceful thing um, yeah. that that got ordained in my life.
0: Yeah. So do you think some people are more prone to doubt and question their faith, maybe based on their personalities? I know you're an Enneagram five, right? Yes. You said, okay, so do you feel like being a five, do you question everything or how does that look for you?
1: Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) It's not great. It's uh, it's tough on people sometimes, you know. But um, yeah, yeah. The the bigger question, yes, d- do personality types impact our fate? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think, you know, uh, there's a chapter in All Things Reconsidered about like I just this is my cross to bear. Is I I'm always mm-hmm. kind of two feet on like the existential cliff of like nothing yeah. matters, no one's out there, you know. And that that's yeah. my thing. I got to deal with. I think we all. I think every single personality type, they have their own cross to bear yeah, uh, or, sure. or whatever they're dealing with. And I think that there's actually something really beautiful and reassuring about that to me because for so long growing up, hearing the same broad, kind of canned, cliche messages, uh, I, I think now knowing, you know, that, that was a real disservice because I think we all believe and we all interact with our faith in different ways. But even more, I like the idea that like I can help some people maybe if I can, if I have myself, if I'm healthy and I have myself under control, I can help people kind of pull out of themselves and question some things. Whereas some other people, you know, can help me be in touch with my emotions. You know, like my wife, Ashley, she's a four. (laughs) So she is the perfect antidote to everything I am because where I can, I can run and flee from emotions. She'll sit me down and be like, no, feel this bad thing. Look in my (laughs) eyes, you know, be in the darkness (laughs) with me and it's okay. And I think there's actually something really beautiful about how we all fit and work together and can help each other with the things we struggle with.
0: My husband is a seven. And so I'm like, you need to just stop having so much fun and you need to get your life in order.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, hey, you can live a little. It's okay. Breathe. Yeah,
0: exactly. So we we really are like the perfect combination. It's funny because we just read, I think it was last summer, we read The Road Back to You together and it was like, oh my gosh, we've been married for 12 years and we're just now figuring these things out about each other. (laughs)
1: that's that's the most amazing part and you know i think you can see some god in that of because ashley and i did the same thing we read it a few years ago and it was like i i mean i always knew that we were perfectly matched that was you know that that was never questioned to me but it was reading this book it was like oh this is why and now i have the vocabulary to describe why and it was really kind of emotional because it's like oh there's something bigger here beyond us you know that's kind of governing this this relationship that's
0: amazing i love it I always wrap up my shows talking about some resources, giving some people, giving people, you know, a place to talk about things. Obviously we want to recommend your book. Amazing. Of course.
1: Uh, Obviously. Yes. (laughs) Obviously. But
0: is there anything that you have read? I'm sure you did a lot of reading and research writing your book. Is there anything that really helped you in this area?
1: You know, I read. I think it's called Beyond Belief by Ellen or uh, Lane Pagels. She, okay. that's one book. But she has a whole ton of books that are really great. She's got one called The Gospel of Thomas. That's really great. It's not necessarily like applicable to what we're talking about here, but she's just a phenom. She's like a. Um, and maybe I'm just dumb. I feel like she's an underrated like faith author that we don't talk about a lot. But she's got okay. so many really great books. There was one specifically, Finding God in the Waves, by Mike. I think McCargue. Um, and he, he goes about it. He's a, he's a very scientifically minded guy and he talks about really struggling with like the, the emotionality of belief. Um, and it's a, it's a really, okay. really great, uh, book in that respect. And, you know, honestly, also, um, the good place on NBC watching the good place oh, my gosh! deal with the, the afterlife. Whoa. Yeah. It, it was like unexpectedly really like moving.
0: It's so good. And I was just. Very emotional when it ended. I mean, it was so that hard.
1: ending, man. It was like it was so
0: good.
1: And I didn't know like how we're we gonna how we're we gonna wrap this up. I didn't expect to be like yes, really. I moved. didn't expect be either. It was so beautiful.
0: It was. It was really good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Knox. This was a blast. Hey, you thanks know, for having me. This was really light, fun. Lighthearted things here. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, you know, down your faith. So chill.
0: So chill. So chill. All <laughs> right. Hey, tell everybody where they can find you and all your things.
1: Um, so I'm on the socials at Knox McCoy. Um, I've got three podcasts, the podcast with Knox and Jamie, where we talk about pop culture, the Bible binge, where Jamie and I recap the Bible as so those, a book, movie, TV show, or all things recapped where I'm recapping episodes of survivor right now. Also kind of different movies that I watch. Um, if you want to check out the book, you can go to Knox slash book, and you can see like a little sample. So lots of, lots of different places you can find me if you want to.
0: Thank you so much Knox for this great conversation today. I've had a blast. I've loved talking about deep things, fun things, and it's just so stretching to have these conversations. I hope all of you listening are feeling encouraged if you have found yourself doubting God and asking questions. As you know, I'm all about asking questions and I think it's a healthy place to be. And I I hope that this has helped you walk through any doubts that you may have and you feel a safe place here now real quick before we go i want to remind you guys about something really fun now that it's summer and maybe a lot of you are stuck at home with your kids and you're wanting to connect with them but you're not really sure how my new book together that just came out this past spring is perfect for that this book is a journal for moms and kids to go through together Um, it's intended for kids ages 7 to 12 right there in those like pre-teen age where it's just such a sweet spot to connect with them. So you can head over to Amazon or you can go to karakajames.com books to learn more about my book together. And also you can follow me on the socials. I am at karakajames on Instagram and Facebook. And finally, keep asking questions for a friend.